platforms aren't all about internal operations and optimizing or even just optimizing your supply chain. It's building that ecosystem, right? That community of uh, the inverted firm, as some people call it, where you're creating value outside the boundaries of the firm. And so you need people who understand how to do that. This is Simone Cicero, the host of the Bandless Conversations podcast, an ongoing exploration on the future of platforms and ecosystems. These conversations help us make sense of what's coming next with platform business models, the dynamics of marketplaces, business ecosystems, and much more. Join me, my regular co-host, Sina Heikila, and other guests as we explore new perspectives about how we organize a scale in a rapidly changing world. Hi, listeners. Dina Heikila here. Welcome back to the Boundaryless Conversation podcast. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Peter Evans, managing partner at the Platform Strategy Institute and co-founder of the advisory firm Enterprise Sound Strategy. Peter holds a PhD from MIT and is also co-chair of the MIT Platform Strategy Summit. He has over 20 years of experience leading teams in identifying, assessing, and communicating high-priority marketplace trends and disruptions to shape effective business strategy, innovation, and investment. He has specialized in helping companies anticipate key market trends, develop strategic responses that craft seminal thought leadership that frames and articulates the need for change. His list of accomplishments and publication is long, so please check out the details and links to his work in the show notes of this episode. So what we were curious to talk to Peter about in particular was the concept of platform talent and what companies are looking for when it comes to recruiting leaders in platform strategy and development. So Peter talked us through some of the key insights from the latest study by the Platform Strategy Institute on platform talent, exploring, among many other things, the key roles that are covered by this notion of platform talent. He explains how sometimes recruiters themselves don't even fully understand exactly what they are looking for, and that it was that this rather incomplete understanding of the market for platform talent that drew his attention to this white space of the platform economy in the first place. If you're an executive or HR leader looking to hire your next platform talent, or if you want to know how to stand out as a candidate or gain the right skills in this thriving market, you'll enjoy this episode. So here we go with Dr. Peter Evans. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are back with an episode of uh, the Boundless Conversation podcast. Tonight with me, I have my usual co-host, Sina Heikila. Hello, hello. And with us tonight, we have Peter Evans. Good evening, Peter. For you, it's uh, afternoon, I think, something like that. It is indeed. Hey, everybody. Peter, thanks very much for your time. And we're looking forward to discuss with you a very massively important topic, as you know, this topic of generating, as you say, the next generation of uh, leaders that can deal with uh, this platform age. So before jumping into these questions with regards to platform talent, I would like to ask you a quick reflection from our, for, our use, uh, for our listeners with regards to your recent July, if I'm not wrong, experience as you know, co-chair of the MIT Platform Summit. So maybe you can share with us your highlights before we start. Sure. Well, I've been uh, co-chairing the MIT Platform Strategy Summit with Jeff Parker and Marshall Van Alstein for the past uh, four years. And of course, with COVID, we were usually we get together at the MIT Media Lab, which is an amazing space. And this year, because of COVID, uh, we had to do it virtually. But that actually turned out to be quite a, a benefit in the sense that we were able to reach a much larger audience than we expected. You know, typically the in person event has grown to about 280, 300 people. 
this year when we went virtually, we were able to engage over 900 people attended. So that was a, a big bonus <laughs> from going virtual. Right. I think uh, this is a shared experience for many, I would say, that, uh, that we are discovering you know, the usefulness of uh, doing events online and, and letting more people to to join and to participate. Yeah, so our, our thought on, on next year is, is that we should do a hybrid event. And so we will have hopefully a in-person component to the, the event, but then we'll also have an online and virtual component, which allows us to reach both people in Europe, in Asia, in South America that normally wouldn't be able to participate. So people should really keep an eye on the date and, and be sure to join when, when it's the time. So at the event, you, Marshall and Geoffrey, you, you presented, you, you gave a, a crazy great uh, keynote at the start that I really encourage everybody listening to this podcast to, to check out. And uh, I will be sure to put it in the notes because it's, uh, by the way, it's a, it's a private, I would say, uh, playlist on YouTube. So it's hard to find, but you will find it in the notes. And in this opening kind of address, you presented your upcoming Platform Talent 2020 study. And really, I think this is going to be the main topic of the conversation we're going to have today, that of talent, leadership. How do you build this? How do you hire the right people for this age? First of all, I would like to ask you what uh, drove you to conduct with your associates this study on platform talent, Peter. Sure. So I've been looking at pla platforms oh for 10 years now. I got first interested in platforms while I was doing strategy at General Electric. Um, and then I moved to the Center for Global Enterprise. And there I undertook a the first, actually, global survey of platforms. And uh, I, I co-wrote a paper with Annabelle Gower, who's well-known in the platform space. And uh, we identified the top 100 platforms, plus a lot of startups in the platform space. And uh, so there's actually now a number of people who track platforms and keep lists of the top platforms. So that topic has been uh, out there. And the other is um, there's a lot of work being done on platform business models. So there's really new, nothing new there. But what I think is, you know, so I'm always looking for white spaces and the platform talent space occurred to me because we're kind of entering a new phase where a lot of the technology that is needed to build platforms is well known. In fact, we're seeing the rise of companies that just specialize in building platforms. So platforms as a service are out there. So the technology is, is understood and the business models are increasingly well understood. But uh, maybe the next phase is really populating the the platforms, or especially the incumbents that are adopting platform strategies with the talent they need to drive those initiatives. So, and, and when I looked around, there weren't that many focus on it. There's a lot of focus on the gig economy and gig workers component, but the managerial class that is responsible for the elements of formulating, managing the platform strategy, there really isn't that much. So it was kind of a, a fresh space to look at. Great. And maybe a provocative question, I would say, but how much talent do you need then for such a well-understood topic, Peter? Well, the, the talent has to get out to the people that are actually doing the work in the companies. I think that just because the, the knowledge is there doesn't mean it's being applied. So then the question is, is what are companies seeking? What are they out there looking for? So part of the, the the study, I mean, what we did was we looked at the jobs uh, postings for platforms over a course of a year, 
and we're able to uh, collect over 11,000 job postings and analyze those job postings. And from that, we were able to glean a number of insights. One were the types of companies that were looking for platform talent, and they really come into three categories. One are what I call the replenishers. Those are the existing platforms that um, needing to uh, replace people who have left or retired or some for other reasons, or they have a new growth space and they need to add employees. So those are uh, one one group that are out there actively looking for additional platform talent. A, a second are the builders. Those are the startups that have reached a, an inflection point where they're really needing to add new employees. And then the biggest area is actually what you might call incumbents. These are companies that are in the marketplace, have, have recognized the challenges and threats of the platforms and are now pursuing platform strategies and need to provide that talent. And there's two ways they can do that, right? One is to train people internally, and the other is to go out in the marketplace and find talent. And uh, one of the examples I gave of a very senior uh, position that was just recently filled was the case of Nike. Uh, Nike is um, going with a very strong direct consumer strategy. Uh, They've actually pulled their products from Amazon and they needed somebody to lead that initiative. And so they tapped John Donahoe, who's previously was the CEO of eBay. So had really long, deep experience. He, He was the CEO of eBay for quite a number of years. And so there's a case of, at least at the CEO level, of a, an incumbent company like Nike looking for someone who could drive their platform strategy. From our experience with some of our adopters as well, and also, for example, there is a, a, one of our dear users, Yolanda Martin from Calusa now that, you know, she's been telling us, for example, her story at Farfetch, where she was head of platforms and, and basically she was kind of transmit this capability across the organization and they had to really uh, be creative in terms of you know creating a road show for example and creating uh, kind of uh, uh, pedagogic tools like uh, visuals and things like that so what i get from this is that it actually even if it's well understood as you said it maybe it's well understood from experts i would say from academics that you also mentioned in the preparation call but also consultants, designers that maybe have been spending like you 10 or 15 years thinking about this, but apparently it's very hard to grasp at a systemic level in organizations. What do you feel like uh, in terms of, uh, you know, maybe the risk, uh, uh, is there is a risk that those people are, are hired not really to do platforms, but maybe to run some kind of platform theater inside organization that doesn't really get to the depth of this transformation? Well, what resonates or comes out very clearly in the job postings is is that not only do they want technical talent, and we can talk about what the elements of that technical capability is, they need evangelists and they need somebody with, and this is the challenge, (laughs) is that not only they need deep technical knowledge, but they also need to be able to work across the organization to to create buy-in around the strategy and the roadmap because they're often responsible for that but also the external, right? Platforms aren't all about internal operations and optimizing or even just optimizing your supply chain. It's building that ecosystem, right? That community of uh, the inverted firm, as some people call it, where you're creating value outside the boundaries of the firm. And so you need people who understand how to do that. And it's not just about, you know, 
cheering on. It's actually creating the right incentive structures. So you need to understand pricing and what kind of pricing makes sense in a platform context versus a product context. You also under, have to understand governance, right? What are the incentive structures that, that cause third parties to want to build compliments on your platform versus others? And platforms are, you know, the ones that have been around are constantly adopting and adjusting those governance parameters. We've seen, you know, fights over the app store and which apps should belong and not and the payments and all that kind of thing. So all platforms face those kinds of issues and people who are really adept at being able to uh, manage those, those multiple elements are in scarce supply. Definitely. It's really insightful not to see how these roles are, are not, not even T-shaped people. They go beyond the very old idea of the T-shape because they also need these kind of skills which are maybe uh, more, more related to systems thinking and uh, understanding complexity both of their organization and uh, the world, you know, because, you know, platforms is true that platforms are a continuous, let's say, expression of capitalism. So nothing new on something from some point of view, but also there are some radical innovations that are coming that are making possible, you know, to think about, you mentioned governance, for example, but uh, I, I can mention, you know, crypto tokens and what they are making possible from the perspective of uh, designing an organization. So you also need people that are, they dare enough, you know, to think about really the real potential of this deep transformation. So, so can you maybe spend a, a word on a little bit more on, on the idea that what kind of people that you need? Like I mentioned, we, we, we did a, a scan of job postings over the course of a year. And from that, we're able to identify very critical roles that are um, in demand. One are for platform strategists. Um, and these are the people that help the organization think through what exactly their platform strategy should be and then drive that strategic initiatives. Another are for pro platform product managers, which is pretty interesting. So the role of a product manager has been around for a long time, but the elements that you need to be successful as a platform product manager are quite different. We're actually seeing quite a number of posts in the financial services sector around this role. And it, I think it also calls to the fact that companies often don't just have one platform. They're often, especially if they're very large organizations, running multiple platforms, and you might have multiple pl platform product managers responsible for those roles. And you know, if you buy into and believe, which I think we do, that platforms are different than pipes in terms of business model, you need a different set of tools and frameworks and experiences to be able to successfully run a, a, a product platform, right? And so anyway, that, that role is, is quite common. Another one are for platform ecosystem managers. You know, a key element of a platform is having complements, these uh, third parties that build value for your platform and that you help to orchestrate. And you need people to actually do that. You know, it's one thing to build the technical capabilities in terms of software and integrations and APIs, but you actually have to have people that, that manage that, that make strategic choices and decisions around that ecosystem management role. And their role is to, you know, design and advocate uh, for investments and strategic, you know, decisions around how to enhance the value of the third-party complements to your platform. Another role that's very critical are platform engineering for these very large 
platforms, you know, they're doing not just tens of thousands, not millions, but billions of transactions in the IT software infrastructure you need to actually run and operate is, is, is quite phenomenal. And so um, you need this really deep expertise and from an engineering standpoint, which would focus on your API integrations, your cloud engagements, and increasingly your data analytic. It's not the analysis, it's, but it's the underlying architecture that enables that analysis to take place. So that's one, two, three, four roles I've just mentioned. A fifth are platform data management. So companies increasingly recognize that data is a very valuable asset and you need to think about your data from a platform perspective, which is a different perspective than just hiring a data scientist, for example. You know, a data scientist has a toolkit and they know how to go and look at patterns and they can run, you know, your databases and, and things of that nature. But to think about your data management from a platform perspective is, is is truly different. And so you see companies out there in the market looking for people not just with data management and data science skills, but actually can build the integrations and manage that from a platform perspective, because you're using others' data often for the value that you create. And then a fifth one uh, that's just popping up more recently is uh, around platform privacy and compliance. And, and clearly legal teams are responsible for that. But, you know, the regulatory landscape is changing, you know, by the day practically. And so you really need people who can follow what's going on and, and bring that back to the executive team and the others that run the platform operations, the platform product managers, the ecosystem managers, the platform engineering. So that uh, privacy compliance, all the, the legal, legal regimes that are now coming to bear on platforms need attention. We're seeing companies out there looking for people that can help with that element of running a successful platform. Cool. And can I ask you, in this study that you conducted, what were the main surprises that hit you? Because clearly you have a lot of experience and you've probably seen a lot of things, but I'm thinking in terms of, you know, types of companies that you didn't expect to find or types of requirements or desired uh, competencies. Uh, and also a second part of that question is that I'm curious to know if you found a lot of public institutions also seeking platform talent, government agencies or foundations or or international organizations? Sure. So let me answer the what you asked last first. Didn't really focus on that so much. So didn't train our keywords on public institutions, but obviously there are, and that's kind of an interesting question. So where would they fit? Somewhat different maybe than analyzing what a, a firm would do or an enterprise would do. So it wasn't really in the scope of, of this particular study. Surprises. There were a number. One is that companies are actually out there looking specifically for platform talent in, in the job descriptions you often see, looking for X number of years of experience running a platform at scale. And so I guess one was this recognition that scale is really important. And you know, as we know, these the big successful platforms are really running operations at huge, massive scale. I mean, Netflix is obviously one example, but Spotify and all these guys are out there looking for talent all the time. So um, they get lots of postings. The financial services sector is, is heavily weighted in the study. So there's a lot of attention 
to building platform capabilities. And that has to do with, I think, a recognition that APIs and building third-party ecosystems, there's almost like a, a land grab happening now with the recognition that if you aren't out there building a platform, someone else might and get the critical mass and access to your customers that uh, will hurt you in the long run. So I think they've most of them have woken up to the fact that they need some kind of platform strategy. And so they're looking to populate other organizations. And, and so that speaks also to the fact there are a number of companies out there with what I would call programmatic hiring. They're hiring or putting out job posts of 60 or more job postings a year. So that's, you know, it sounds like a lot if you're a startup, but for a big organization, the size of, you know, a Citigroup or a JP Morgan or any number of the big financial institutions, it's actually pretty small. <laughs> and so anyway, so that programmatic hiring is, is clearly evident in the data. And it's interesting to see which companies are out there doing that kind of programmatic hiring. In these um, job positions that uh, you are capturing in the wide, if there any mention of skin in the game, so are they looking for entrepreneurs as well, not just employees, or incentive structure is the very useful one, no? the, the package, the money, and even if they ask you for some entrepreneurial experience, but it's not part of the job to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I guess it depends on which ones you're talking about. Are you talking about the replenishers, the, the, the builders, or the incumbents? And I think they all come to the platform talent search process with slightly different objectives and experiences. I think the, the replenishers already have a deep culture of platforms. So if the, the needs for them to have people with really deep platform expertise is probably less and because they can quickly, they're surrounded by people who live and breathe that and the systems are well in place and the culture is well in place. The bigger challenge is obviously for the incumbents where the platform external hires brought into the organization, they, they probably, you know, unless they're really well supported could feel orphaned and you know have a have a hard time moving the needle in the organization so i think it really depends on who's looking for the talent and uh, you see these differences also on a geography perspective so for example we've been working with these chinese colleagues at this chinese company called hire the hiring process seems to be much uh, more entrepreneurial do you cover uh, with this study the whole world or was focused to, or is this focused only on the US? Yeah, no, it was uh, global in scope. Of course, it was English language. So there's probably a bias in the data towards English language speaking, you know, jobs boards where the data was collected. But, you know, the Chinese companies did pop up in, in the job searches. You know, in, in some respects, China has really embraced the platform revolution. They have examples of highly successful companies that have adopted platform business models. And so I think it's, it's well understood that platforms can yield <laughs> great benefits. So the, so the market in China is, is, is quite fluid and there's a lot of attention. What's kind of interesting is the moves abroad, right? So you may have a platform company in China that's looking to move into Indonesia. And so there are actually job postings for, for folks like that, right? So they're brought into an organization that's already a platform, but they're looking to build out their capabilities in other locations. And I, you know, uh, what was pretty interesting is how many job postings there were in Europe 
you know, Europe's been lagging in, in platform creation, but I think there's growing attention to the importance of adopting platform business models. So we do see companies out there looking. But I guess there's also this question of recruiting and hiring, and, and there is huge variation in the quality of the job postings. Some of them are very detailed, and it's very clear that they have a very astute understanding of what a platform job role is they're looking to fill and, and, and good descriptions for what we would understand from a platform perspective on the kind of talent that you would need to actually execute on that. But there are others where it's, it's not clear at all that they've articulated their needs well or even understand. And, you know, a question is, has that been lost in translation where the executive team has decided to take a platform, you know, initiative and, are, and have asked the HR and the recruiters to go out and find them the talent to support that? And the problem may be that the HR or the recruiters haven't really been educated that well. They're not experts in this space and therefore they don't even, you know, know exactly how to articulate that. So there may be a dropping of the ball there. One thing that I'm kind of curious about, I've seen a lot of the executive job search companies out there now offering and having specialized services around digital labor, right? Or digital talent. So they will help you find executives that can help fill that kind of need in your organization. But what I have not seen are the further level of specialization around platforms, which um, is interesting in the sense that I think you and I would agree that in some respects, your platform strategist is probably the most important role. You know, digital transformation is a larger thing that's happening in your organization, but you really need people that are astutely familiar with platform strategy and all the elements that I mentioned around platform product management, ecosystem management, platform engineering that will help you launch and execute those. So a little bit surprised that the world of recruiting and executive development hasn't created specialized services specifically around platform talent, acquisition, development, etc. I can sympathize when you speak about these organizations that tend to be very confused about what they're looking for. And I recall working with the United Nations uh, a few years ago, and they had this new plan that the chief of the staff wrote, you know, that explaining that the, the organization had to become had to become a platform, but nobody knew what, <laughs> how to do it. And that explains, you know, how the reality that we live in these organizations. So my question would be, uh, you are very efficient, I think, at explaining that uh, this is not rocket science. I mean, you know, to some extent it is, but it's also something that we understand. So the, you just need to, to study and you need to be disciplined and apply the, the you know, the kind of uh, script. And to some extent, it's true that we have been living with this uh, narrative of uh, platform startups as they were changing the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just... Uh, a method, an approach, a, a, an age that we are living. So everything we need to be transformed that way, even public services. You know? So that's more or less what, uh, what I get from a conversation with you. But uh, so if we look at the whole scope, who are the laggards and uh, where are they lagging? And who are the pioneers? Where are they pioneering? Is this pioneering more a technological frontier or is it ethical or design or... I don't know what kind of other edge is there. Right. 
So I saw a job post recently that really caught my attention, and it was for a very large healthcare company. And they were looking for somebody to help them with repurposing their entire internal employee education program with a platform perspective in mind. So that caught my attention because, you know, we've talked about internal needs of the organization, but there's a revolution taking place in how education is being delivered. And we're seeing the rise of very large platforms like Udacity, uh, edX, and others that can offer um, executive training and other types of talent development. And so one of the things that I really think is interesting, and I think the company, some companies are, are, you know, you asked me for leaders. I think some companies are beginning to recognize it's not just about becoming a platform. It's looking around at the platform economy and figuring out ways to better tap into that platform economy in ways that benefit your organization. And that may be, well, it will include rethinking your entire training education programs. And it doesn't get a huge amounts of attention by scholars and pundits, but the reality is, is companies spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on employee training and education and leadership development. And so the question is, is how do you go about doing that? So, you know, some, some companies had their own universities, right? Even with campuses. But as we move increasingly online and those platforms that deliver high quality and very diverse, you know, it's like a iTunes menu of different kinds of training courses. You really need somebody who has a kind of a platform perspective and vision to rethink how you're going to go about this continuous learning. So that's one view of how a company could do it. But the other is, is that you're actually, these, these platforms can be very effective in training non-attached people, you know, people who have joined the gig economy or the freelance economy, and uh, they want to upskill themselves. You don't need a company. You can go and design your own program. And so that leads to the question of, do these companies that offer these training programs or these education programs as a menu of, do they need to get more into thinking about the life cycle? And maybe try to do what banks do, which is get a customer early on in their life and then lead them through their entire life cycle. So we could see talent as a service programs emerging where, you know, the challenge and the opportunity is to capture that pool of people. And, you know, STEM is, is a great example. These are people that have built specialized knowledge in computer programming or, you know, other elements of data science and whatnot. But they also need to think about their long-term careers so that they end up leading the team that is doing the engineering for Netflix, for example, right? And so what does that progression look like? And how do you catch them, you know, when they're 18 and lead them through their entire life? There's tremendous opportunities to provide kind of talent as a service. And I think kind of an interesting key question is, is could you have a subset that's specialized just in platform talent? That's really interesting. So it sounds to me, I mean, there is a big skills mismatch from what I perceive from hearing you you talk here. So there there are companies looking for talents, not necessarily knowing always how to describe their needs. And there's a need for reskilling and training also future generations, right, that can work on the platform. Would you say that uh, this mismatch is a big constraint for for the platform economy at the moment to to reach its potential? 
you know, there's a supply side of educating the next generation of platform leaders. I, you know, there are courses both in MBA programs in, and also in economics departments that focus on platforms. They're a very small number right now. And then you have a second tier of education programs that, you know, for executive education that are out there. I think when you look broadly at the future demand, there's probably not enough programs in place to actually serve the overall demand. And then there's a question of kind of cost and quality. Um, and there's really been no systematic assessment. There's no scoring of what are the best um, in guidance for people. You know, if you're young and you're interested in getting into a platform career and this kind of a notion that there's a the potential for platform professionals, you know, out there and, you know, as a career option, I think there's some really exciting and interesting jobs in that space. It's still new and formative. I think supply and demand um, will come together, but probably there's more demand than there is supply right now. And that's why you're seeing poaching happening in the market and, you know, job in terms of salaries, people who have specialized in platforms are doing quite well. And there were a few platforms that got hit hard by the COVID, but many of them exploded in demand, right? So overall, I think the, the platform economy or companies that have pursued platform strategies have uh, done quite well through this global pandemic. And uh, those that have chosen careers around kind of becoming a platform professional are reaping the benefits. We're talking a lot about uh, incumbents, you know, and... Uh... Are you telling me that we are going to hire enormous amount of platform expertise that is going to just reconstruct a, a platform bureaucracy, let's say, and to some extent just you know accept that the transition to this platform model, these network models, is not you know challenging for the very idea of hiring structures and management and 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 kind of traditionally structured industrial organizations. So the question is. Now that we understand platforms, we also understand, I guess, that our organizations need to be different. So, so I'm wondering, for example, if the skills that uh, these new uh, figures that companies are looking for include uh, something like, you know, collective decision making or, you know, designing. You mentioned governance, so that's an interesting point of view, but uh, maybe not just from the perspective of the incentive structure design, but also from the perspective of, you know, creating collaborative processes and, you know, I would say be more experimental how they organize work. Yeah. So I think, you know, one challenge or manager, there's a couple of them, but one, for example, is we know from lots of studies of platforms that you, you want to maximize the value of the whole ecosystem, not one particular product or element of the platform, right? So that becomes a management challenge. Like how do you incentivize that, that uh, product line leader who is actually generating the revenue that is then used to subsidize another part of the platform, right? So in traditional companies, you set uh, revenue goals for your P&L leaders. And in this case, you have to finesse that process because the, the, the value is actually created partly by the sacrifice of one of the of your PL leaders. So how do you properly incentivize that from a from a, a management perspective? Similarly, you know, your your broader ecosystem play, you can't squeeze, you know, traditionally you want to squeeze your supply chain, right? That's how you enhance your profitability. 
But um, in a platform space, you'll get people to, you'll get defection from your platform. And so thinking about those incentives. So I think it's, it's a keen understanding of the implications of, of running a platform versus a traditional pipe product vision and what those incentives play out. And so, you know, a, a good understanding of economics, game theory, and uh, transaction costs and all those kinds of things really help. And so I guess the, the, the lesson from this study is, yes, technical skills are really important, but you really have to understand the economics and increasingly the regulatory landscape not just what's happening today, but anticipating that a couple, you know, uh, steps down the line so that you don't start building and executing on something that uh, is either going to be rejected by the regulators or socially. And so we've seen, and there's been a lot of attention to this whole, for example, consumer privacy issue. That wasn't an issue 10 years ago for platforms, right? Uh, collecting individuals' data was no big deal. But, you know, businesses are all about adapting to circumstances. You put up the constraints and they'll figure out how to optimize against them. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that there will be innovations and, you know, new strategic thinking to overcome these, but it's also important not to assume that, that you're not going to face those kinds of barriers. And that's actually kind of the exciting space right now of, of how do you create a platform within these new constraint sets or anticipating the constraint sets so that the platform you design today will be successful over a period of, of time that's longer than your competitors. Mm -hmm. It's becoming like a sport. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, hey, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking business here, right? And then if I can jump in, it's a, it's a the team sport then, because I, I recall reading a, uh, something that you wrote that it's hard to find all of these attributes in one individual, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's almost impossible. Some of the job postings I've seen, you're like, good luck. You're never going to find somebody who has, you know, the depth of technical expertise in computer science, plus the ability to go out and evangelize and work across the entire organization and, you know, do the communication strategy for your organization. You really need to build a platform team. And so it's really assembling that. And I think companies could use a lot of help in thinking through what is the, the elements of my platform talent that I need to be successful over time. I was wondering if in, the, in these uh, new jobs, that new talent that companies are seeking, there's also some uh, special attention towards uh, purpose and trying to understand, uh, for example, as a move, maybe from the perspective of the applicants, if the company that I'm going to apply for can provide me the space that the purpose for me to to express um, you know my wholeness as a person or is this part of the narrative of jobs around platforms or is just you know a marginal matter and, and everything is about money and the package you know there are so many platforms now in so many different spaces that i think that if you're your aspiration in life is to help people in their health there's a platform for you if you're interested in the fashion space and just the cutting edge of what's happening in you know that world there's a platform if you're interested in music creators there are amazing platforms around platform talent platform branding and so and then i, I was amazed and been following fairly closely shell oil just announced a platform 
And so income, you know, big industrial companies, ABB is also looking at and has launched a platform both in Brazil and India. And I, my understanding is they're planning to go global. So, so there's basically now it's truly a platform economy. So I think there's a huge opportunity to become a platform professional to pursue all sorts of different goals that you may have as an individual and what you think is really important in the industries and sectors that get you really excited. I know that you set out, well, I think you set out uh, in your study as well to see how the next generation technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and voice technology and 5G and so on will drive platform talent needs. Is that something that you already explored or or it's, it's something that is coming up? That's a really interesting question, and organizations haven't sorted that out yet. You've got uh, companies now that are investing in building 5G infrastructure, and then the question becomes, is there, are there opportunities to build new platforms that would enhance the value of that uh, infrastructure play? So that's a really interesting question. On the AI, that's a whole other really interesting space, which is there's kind of the robotic process automation. So a lot of routine work that people do, tasks in organizations are going to be replaced by AI, but there's also the emergence of AI platforms. And so that's a super interesting. And one thing I'm seeing is that the vendors of AI as a service platforms are now building out, they're basically building out universities to train people on their AI systems, which is a platform strategy. And so Microsoft and Automation Anywhere, companies like that are realizing that an investment in talent is a great way to build out your ecosystem and platform strategy. So this uh, talent development is also a strategic element in that it trains people on your platform technology Uh, brings people into your ecosystem. And so I think that a lot of executives, they, they don't really pay as much attention as they should to as platform education and training and development as a strategic uh, way to gain advantage in the marketplace. That was all, a, all an interesting topic, but uh, I think a closing question would help us to To wrap it up a little is from the perspective of a candidate, what needs to be in my application? And from the perspective of a company that it's hiring, you know, you spoke about the skills, but maybe where do you start from? So we haven't really talked about this, but I think it's it's an interesting area that's going to get more attention in, in, in the future, which is what credentials, what what badging, certifications are going to give you an advantage in the marketplace, which really takes you back to who's offering the best training courses and which ones get the attention of employers, right? As a signal that you've acquired that level of expertise that really advances you. And you have to be, you know, what I've learned in when working for some big companies is this notion of time to productivity of the workers is very important. You know, you can find a, somebody who's a great candidate But if it takes you three or four years to get them up to speed to be productive in the organization, that, that's a problem, right? And so I think that the organizations that come out with good badging to demonstrate that the people that they have badged as a platform professional with certain technical and managerial skills will perform better and be uh, more effective more quickly in your organization will stand out. 
And then that will also attract people to get that badging in the process, right? Right now, it's, it's, it's a mishmash, all right? And it's word of mouth and there isn't really good systematic. So if you're a company right now, maybe you go with the name brand like Harvard, right? But it turns out a Harvard course may not be the best because it's often taught by TAs. The professors are, you know, busy doing their research and on the speaking circuit. So that actually might not be the best place to get your talent. So companies have to be aware and they also, you know, have to be aware of the costs. And I think uh, more research would need to be done on on the pricing of platform professionals versus others and where can you get um, high quality at a better price, I think is going to be a good good thing to think about uh, longer term for your platform strategy. So it seems like you figured out this uh, world of platform pretty profoundly, I think also because of your analyst background, I think, you know, maybe not background, but the work that you have been doing on the reports as well. So, so what is, is it something, is there something that you are confused about when we think about the future of this platform age? Well, I don't know about confused, but there's a lot of things I'm curious about how it will play out. And one area that I'm really interested in is, are we going to see more platforms that help organize creative talent, right? So a lot of platforms have been focused on very discrete kind of gig work mechanisms. But what about work that's more challenging to define because you know, how do you post that and make it known? How do you discover that on the platform? And so we're seeing actually big platforms like Spotify create artist tools to make those artists more successful on their platform. We're seeing the rise of platforms specialize in marketing talent to help companies build out their branding and other events, ways to engage customers in new ways. So I think that's a really interesting space because it creates a lot of challenges about how do you actually create that matching market? How do you create the discovery? Does it do, do these algorithms really work well in the creative space? So anyway, that's an area that I've gotten very interested in. The other one is around cross-platform integrations. You're seeing, as we've discussed, the rise of this platform economy with lots of platforms. There's huge opportunities to bring two platforms together to create additional value. And so looking at, and I think hiring people who have an eye for understanding cross-platform integrations will be a platform talent that you'd want to hire into your organization because it can open up huge new opportunities for your company to generate revenue and serve customers. That's a spot on. I think, uh, you know, as a direction to point out in terms of the digital platforms, you know, this space between organizations. I think what we are seeing now with the advent of this uh, Intern, uh, sorry, blockchain-based uh, systems and the work, for example, of Jesse Walden uh, or other people on this idea of progressive decentralization of this kind of uh, internet-based. Uh, well, and I just wrote a kind of a provocative piece in which I uh, suggested a platform integration between Bands in Town, which is a very large platform. It has over 50, 50 million users worldwide. And matches with tens of thousands of bands, I suggested they do an integration with Exxon, which is a big oil company. Exxon has 11,500 gas stations in the US, which would probably serve about 2 million customers a day. Just imagine if you took their app, you know, they're going down a digital path with a loyalty program instead of having loyalty points that are can be used to 
take a little bit off your gas next gasoline purchase? What if those points could be allocated to your favorite band? I would be more likely to go to an Exxon station because I love music and would like to support artists. And so I think the opportunities to bring two platforms together and create value for customers and loyalty in new ways is super exciting. And in fact, um, I'm just launching a multi-client study with Joe Pine, who's well known for his pioneering work in the experience economy. And we're specializing in looking at the rise of experience platforms. And so I'm very excited about that, that project. I think we are discussing here the, the kind of uh, overcoming of, to some extent, of the industrial bureaucracy that uh, slowed down our companies because all these uh, agreements are, you know, dynamic contracting that uh, we are supposed to see in this future platform that is going to be very pervasive and, and you know, it's going to be basically everywhere. So, so uh, Peter, you know, by the way, also we have Joe Pine coming up on the podcast. So thanks. Well, maybe he'll talk a bit about uh, experience platforms. We've built a database together a lot of insights that I had not been aware of. And then I bring the platform perspective. And so together, it's a really fruitful collaboration. For sure. I think by judging by the uh, profound work that you are doing and the massively important work that Joe Pine is doing as well and has been doing in the past. So thanks very much. Peter. So I, wanna, I would like to end with uh, telling people where do, do they find the uh, stuff that you have been talking about, the report, uh, your upcoming uh, essays and the stuff that you've been writing recently. Where do I look for? Sure. Well, you can always follow me on LinkedIn and I tweet almost every day on platforms. So you can follow me on Twitter. You know, I've, we've set up the Platform Strategy Institute with Jeff Parker and Marshall Van Alstein and Diane Finkhausen post some of our work there as well. And start from that amazing keynote that you guys delivered at, at the MIT Summit. So... Peter, that was an amazing conversation. I had a ton of fun and I'm really looking forward to re-listen it and you know, extract all these insights that are packed in these 55 minutes. Thanks a lot. Welcome. Enjoyed it. And thanks to our listener. Catch up soon. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boundless Conversation podcast. We truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please share this episode on social media review our show on any major distribution platform, and don't forget to subscribe for new episode releases. Stay tuned on www.platformdesigntoolkit.com for our latest news and updates. There, you can also find our free design tools, opportunities to learn how to use them, or connect directly with us to use our help in designing your platform and ecosystem strategies in these turbulent times. We also want to thank Walter Mobilia Leo Sound for the ad hoc music.